0: asking for you. Why is he writing to you? <laughs> Riddler's latest. It's all about the Waynes. You'd be surprised, but even a good man is capable of lied to me, Alfred. My whole life. We have all have our scars, Bruce. <laughs> Maybe this is all coming to an end. The Batman.
1: Trickage, brother. Have we started the fire? Yes, the fire rises. Ooh, welcome, citizens of Gotham, to The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast focusing on all things the Dark Knight and his world. If you'd like to connect with the show, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TFR Batpod. And if you have thoughts, questions, comments, or maybe even suggestions for future episodes of the show, you can reach us by email at tfrbatpod at gmail.com. My name is Eric Carter, and I am your host. And uh, we're once again, I know uh, we kind of came to the conclusion last time, but uh, we're once again kind of on that road to the Batman because we're talking about the Batman film one more time uh one episode was just not enough to cover all the points and topics that we had to talk about this so i made the call we were going to have one more crack at it and when i say uh we i mean myself of course and my co-host the other chair of tfr mr joseph fornerado joe how are you buddy
0: I'm doing good Eric. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, this is like the road from the Batman. We're now we're now we're now driving away from it a little bit, but we're still pretty close to it. It's been uh it's been 2 weeks. You've now seen it 6 times already cuz you're nuts. But <laughs> I've Or dedicated. I've still, yes, very dedicated. I've still <laughs> seen it only the 3 times, so we'll uh we'll see how much that that extra couple of viewings you've had on me uh changes things but it'll be fun to to talk a little bit more about it on the stuff that we missed last time well
1: yeah and the primary reason for going back and revisiting this one more time is because i mean frankly the last episode just had such a a good uh response really we had so many downloads on the last episode it was it was insane it was very humbling um it was more episodes than we've or downloads on an episode than we've ever had before so i'm just very grateful for everyone who downloaded and listened and obviously that was some new listeners so if you're new to the show thank you for downloading thank you for listening welcome um but yeah it was it was kind of staggering uh the the response we got from the last episode wouldn't you say joe
0: yeah humbling is definitely the word um thank you everyone for joining in and we hope that uh you know, you'll stick with us and maybe, uh, continue, uh, you know, with this conversation with the Batman and what other stuff we might have planned later on in the year.
1: Yeah. So, um, as I was looking at kind of some of the, some of the downloads and then, um, just some of the response we were getting and, the interaction from listeners and also just how many people were doing episodes on this movie. I'm like, okay, well there's, there's a hunger for a little more of this and I know we're not done talking about it yet. So I decided we were going to bring up a few more points that maybe we didn't bring up last time. Uh, because you know, when, and inevitably when you stop recording a podcast about something like this, you think five minutes later, ah, crap, I forgot to talk about that or, you know, any number of topics come up that you wish you would have talked about on the initial episode. So we're going to cover some of that here. And also I opened it up on Twitter, um, for listeners to shoot in comments or questions or just thoughts on the movie. And we had quite, a few responses from that so we're going to give you just a couple of our thoughts on it that we didn't cover last time and then we're going to open it up to listener queries and questions and and thoughts so that's kind of what we're going to do today it's kind of a little more casual so but let's uh let's kind of get started on that Um, well actually before we get there I did want to bring up the new Riddler comic that we got news about today. Matt Reeves posted that uh, we're going to be getting a Riddler comic later this year in October, I think. And it's written by our new Riddler himself, Mr. Paul Dano. So, Joe, what did you think of this news that we're getting a Riddler comic written by the, the Riddler?
0: Well, when I first saw it, I thought, oh, wow, that's really cool that they're going to do some type of comic tie in with the film. But then when they actually said Paul Dana was writing it, that that's really cool. Um, We had talked a little bit about how, like, you know, you you had brought up uh, earlier to me that, you know, Danny DeVito just recently wrote a Penguin comic, but nothing to this extent of a current character that someone is writing that character that uh, a part he's still playing and I just think that's really cool that he's he's obviously embracing this character this much and, and really embracing the medium itself because he's – it's it's just kind of – to me, it's unprecedented territory as far as I know. I don't know of any other time this has happened with a current comic and, or a current uh, actor. So any, any chance to get more of his story and the fact that we're getting it straight from him is really, really cool.
1: Well, yeah, and we've had like celebrities write – comics before, uh, you brought up, um, Danny DeVito writing the penguin story not long ago. And then, um, a few years ago JJ Abrams and his son wrote a Spider-Man comic, but you know, they're, they're That's like so many degrees of separation because they really don't have anything to do with Spider-Man in other forms of media. And Danny DeVito's is like 30 years removed from his role as penguin. So it's really, I think it's really unique to have Paul Dano in the moment, you know, still kind of in Riddler mode, writing a Riddler story, and it appears to be uh, attached to his actual character in the movie, his version of Riddler. So I think that's that's really neat. It almost makes you wonder, like, like what would a Heath Ledger Joker comic have been like? Because you yeah, know that's... he 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 really dove deep into that character, so it would have been really neat to. To see some something out of his mind about the you know the the character he played, so I think that's going to be a unique opportunity from Paul Dana.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like it, like we were saying, it, it's it's nothing we've come across before in this to this extent. But uh, I got to ask you: Do you think it's going to be a prequel, or do you think it's going to take place kind of with the story, or maybe after? Because it says Year One. Year One could really be either or.
1: Well, I honestly think it's going to be kind of like that. uh, If we got kind of a year one of the Pattinson Batman, it would obviously be before the events of the film. So I think I personally I think it's going to be kind of like that. I think it's going to be. Uh, this Riddler kind of becoming the Riddler and finding out all these things that we know he now knows in the film, like all these corrupt officials and things like that. Like, how did he gather that information? How did he learn how to set up these traps and stuff that he's built in the movie? I think it's kind of, it's going to be something like that personally. Um, I don't know. What about you?
0: Yeah, I think that'd be cool. I also think it'd be really cool if it kind of happened, like almost concurrently with the film too, because the film is is really all about Robert Patton. I mean, Robert Pattinson, um, Bruce Wayne and Batman's perspective that it might be interesting to see what the Riddler was doing actually during the film. It mm-hmm. could be something like that too. Um, they probably would have named it something different if that was all it was going to be. But it, to me, it'd be kind of cool if it was like an overlap, like a little before, a little during, a little after.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe we get a little more of that conversation in Arkham. That would be neat as well.
0: Oh yeah, that would be cool. Uh,
1: but anyway, yes, we have a we have a brand new Riddler story coming later this year uh, from Paul Dano himself. So that's very exciting. But let's get into some of the some of the little things that maybe we forgot to mention last week, or or things like that. Um, Joe, I know you had something that you wanted to bring up about the movie. Um, what what was one of your takeaways that you forgot to mention or or didn't get to last time?
0: Well, the first thing that popped in my mind after we recorded was that me and you had talked a lot about, um, even prior to our recording, that I felt this really, this really had the feel to a DC Black Label book. It, it was like someone went to a writer and said, "Hey, we want your take on an early Batman story that's grounded and, and really, not in like a a real world setting, but like your take on what you would do if you had Batman." already established but you wanted to set up your gotham in your world um take this run with it and go and that's what it felt like to me like really the dc black label has been a lot of fun with kind of uh, different stories to that effect and i've really got that vibe from this film
1: yeah i i agree with you um and i think i had i had told you before like i had seen somebody make a comment about what kind of story this was in, a, in another comic book group that I'm in on Facebook and I brought up. Yeah. I think it's like if a black label writer came in and said, I want to take the long Halloween and seven and just mash them together and have Libra Mayo do my art for me. And this is the book I want to do. That's how this movie strikes me. Cause it is, I, I agree with you completely. It is a lot like a black label book. Mm-hmm. even so far as cause a lot of the black label Batman stuff has Batman in very kind of tactical gear more, you know, more of the, the realistic leaning Batman. And that's kind of what we got, you know, anytime you get Libra Mayo art, you're going to get kind of that more uh, grounded, armored tactical gear that Batman wears. So yeah, it's, it's that's, that's the feeling I get too with this movie. And that's not a bad thing. Cause I love the black label comics. So Um, but yes, I mean, some of the stuff that, uh, I noticed on repeat viewings, um, one of the main things was that Alfred knew the Spanish mistake in the Riddlers, um, El Rata Alata, because if, uh, you know, when the penguin brought it up, Hey, the Spanish is it's incorrect. And that's paraphrasing, but you know, he picked on the Spanish because it's La. Rata instead of L. And I never picked up on the fact that Alfred had brought that up way earlier in the movie. and and I noticed it on repeat viewings. I'm like, hey, this is this is kind of showing that even though Bruce has had all this training all over the world, maybe Alfred with his uh, with his background in in the British Secret service maybe he's taught Bruce some of this detective work as well, because he picked up on, on the bad Spanish. Did you catch that the first viewing?
0: Yeah. I, I actually do remember Alfred saying the Spanish is a little off when he hands him the cipher. And Mm. I remember thinking, oh, that's like, and I do remember going back to thinking about that after uh, it's actually Penguin says no habla Espanol. (laughs) Like he does mess with them a little bit with (laughs) and, and taunts them a little bit with it. And, uh, Cause Bruce says, or Batman says, um, you know, the Riddler doesn't make mistakes or he hasn't so far. So it is interesting that no, the Riddler didn't make a mistake. It was them trying to figure out, okay, what is he saying here by making this quote unquote mistake? Because even Alfred said, you know, this, this isn't, you know, a direct translation to Spanish. What's going on. And that's how they come up with the whole URL thing, which was was really an interesting way to get through the riddle.
1: Yeah, it's clever. Uh, I think it's clever writing, but it's also, I think uh, because Alfred has so few scenes in the movie, I think that that's a very subtle hint at, um, maybe Alfred's past and also the influence he's had on Bruce. And I think it's, it's so subtle. A lot of people may not catch it, but, and that's a benefit of watching it as many times as I have (laughs) that I, that I actually did catch it. Um, but uh, another thing I and I know this is kind of a a, a nitpick that I've seen from a lot of people, but it, it's got me thinking the more times I've watched it, I've heard the comment about. Well, the beginning of the the Batmobile chase doesn't make any sense, because why does Batman just run off to the Batmobile? It doesn't make any sense why he would engage. And in my opinion, and I don't know what your thoughts on our, on it are, Joe, but in my opinion, you know, Penguin's bearing down on Selina and the, all the his other thugs are bearing down on Gordon. They're kind of trapped. So in my opinion, Batman engages the chase to draw the fire and the fight away from Gordon and Selina. Um, I don't know what your thoughts on that are, but that's the more I've watched the movie, That's that's where my mind goes. As soon as he disappears and that car revs up, it's like, Okay, he's trying to get this this fight away from these people who can't defend themselves right now.
0: Yeah, well, Matt Reeves has actually even confirmed such. He he has said that was the intention of the scene. And and I I will admit at first when I first saw it I did not get that. Um mm-hmm. even when Bruce starts revving up the car and then it stops, I I was kind of like, Oh, did it stall out? What just happened? Like, I didn't know if it was kind of going for a laugh. And again, I I've said numerous times when I see these films for the first time, I'm usually not in the best, um, mindset. Sometimes I'm a little too amped up. Sometimes I'm a little, you know, my heart's racing. My, my, my mind is kind of like, uh, you know, it's racing on me. So I didn't catch what was happening the first time. And I think it makes complete sense that he gets in the car and he tries to scare them almost into like a state of shock. So they, they freeze, they, they just completely stop going after Selena and Gordon. And that's what he's intended. Um, So I can, I can see that, but I also think if we don't get that on our first viewing, is that a fault of the way it was done? Or is that on us for not catching it? You could argue it both ways. And like I said, I, I didn't catch it at first, but I can see where they're coming from with it.
1: Right. Well, and I will just to nitpick the scene just a tiny bit. And I know that's, that's probably going to come as a surprise to you. But when he (laughs) does, when he kind of lurches the car forward a little bit, when you thought he stalled out, I think it's an editing issue there where he, after he lurches the car forward, it. The camera lingers on the car For maybe Mm -hmm. just a second too long And that's what makes you think Maybe he stalled out or something like that
0: Yeah, It's weird because I've heard other people Say the same thing But what's uh funny is the second time I saw the movie I'm like why did I think that the first time I saw it So it's definitely Something weird with the scene Because I honestly was like I was criticizing myself For like I didn't understand why I thought that But then I heard other people say the exact same thing And I'm like huh like all right, I'm not the only one but i almost don't even see where i got that from after mm-hmm. second and third viewing but who knows there was definitely something off with the scene to a lot of people and i think if enough people say something like that i guess it's a fair criticism even if we might not completely agree with it because i don't think it's that big of a deal i think it's more of a a suspension of disbelief type thing in these movies i think with a lot of these films you can kind of you can say a lot of why did he do that why did so and so do this it's it's almost convenience of what the writer wants these characters to do for the most part in any of these films so mm-hmm. i have a tendency to just kind of forgive a lot of stuff
1: right well yeah and it, on the flip side of that while there are people criticizing that moment and 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 the chase overall there's plenty of people who are raving about that batmobile chase so you know.
0: oh yeah, the chase itself <laughs> is not anything I'm criticizing. That's for sure. right.
1: Okay. well, while we're talking about the Batmobile, really kind of the last little thing that that I wanted to bring up um, is the is the progression of the Batmobile as it kind of relates to Batman himself through the film and not only just the Batmobile, but his vehicles in general. Um, like so I think from if you read the prequel novel, you, d- you can definitely see an evolution from that time in Batman's life and the car then and the Batmobile we finally get for that chase scene in the movie because it has – from the prequel to to this movie, it has evolved and it has changed. Um and you kind of see the progression throughout the movie because when the movie starts, you see the car's covered in tarp and the motor's not in it. It's on a cherry picker over off on the side. And then later we see that Bruce has been working on it because you see all the parts laid out on the table, things like that. And then by the end, of course, we get the, the fully fleshed out for this version, Batmobile. And I think it's kind of interesting because it follows the Batman through this story because he's evolving as a character as well. Um, and then you kind of see him embrace the change a little bit at the end because his motorcycle even goes from just a regular motorcycle to, at the end, he's really embracing that bat motif and he's got the Batman emblem, um, or the Batman head on the, on the front of the motorcycle for that very last sequence in the movie. So I kind of wanted to get your thoughts, Joe, on what you think of the progression of the car. Uh, and his motorcycle and what you think we may see going forward do you think this car is going to become more batmobile for lack of a better term quote unquote in the future
0: well yeah i hope that i hope that as the film progressed it's when he decided to put the bat uh insignia on the front of the motorcycle because the other conversation i was having with myself was okay did does he have a quote unquote bat cycle and a regular motorcycle he just never had the bat suit on while he was riding the motorcycle so he had his civilian motorcycle the whole movie i'm hoping that no by the end he's almost like embracing the branding so he added that throughout the progression of the film like you had said i really hope that if we had maybe gotten another batmobile chase like at the end of the film or you know right after this film takes place that maybe he will start um really adding to the vehicle and maybe adding some more gaudy fins or just some some nice color to to like change it up a little bit. And again, I don't need too much. I think it just makes it more fun that way. Like even something as corny as the, you know, just putting a bad head on the front of it. I know that's that's something that was really done in, I guess, the 50s and 60s, I think, in the comics and really embraced. And I want to say... Was it Super Friends that did that? Or was Super Friends the one that just had basically the 66 Batmobile but in blue? I don't I remember. Think it
1: w- I think that's what it was.
0: Okay. I don't remember if we've seen the Battering Ram version in animation or not. But everyone knows that that Batmobile. And I, I think it'd be really cool if they found a way to somehow do that. I don't see that. I don't see it as a direct translation. But some homage to that. Because we know he, he loves homage in the 66 film. He did a lot of little sly homages to that and i think it's it's fun that that reeve's that is grounded and as dark as this film is he found ways to really pay tribute to to one of the funniest batman um iterations idioms. yeah yeah exactly
1: well and i think to your point i think there's absolutely a way that you can use that bat emblem on the front and still keep it as a quote unquote grounded um, style. I mean, you could use some sort of, you know, brush guard or, or Mm -hmm. cow catcher, whatever you want to call it for the front of the, for the front of the Batmobile and just shape it like a bat or, you know, something like that. I mean, there's a way you could do it. And I'm sure, I'm sure given the, given the assignment, Matt Reeves could, could pass it. So (laughs)
0: And honestly, like we do like to pick on the fact that the Batmobile looks like a regular car, but we're also pretty easily pleased. No, no, no no, pleased.
1: no, no, not we.
0: Okay, no, no, I'm sorry, not <laughs> we. Well, some of us do like to pick on that, but we're, we're easily pleased too. like that bat signal on the front of the, the bike goes a long way with a lot of people. It like, does. I mean, you look at the 66 Batmobile, there's really not much to it other than the bat logos on the side. You put a bat logo on the side of that car okay i'm good <laughs> you know you don't need to go crazy but again i i just like to see it evolve a little bit i don't need a completely different batmobile because i think i don't know if that would make that much sense but any type of evolution for that car i'm I'm here for
1: i mean you're not wrong though i mean you take the red bat emblems off the side of the 66 batmobile and it could almost be a mayberry police car so yeah so but yeah it's
0: funny because it's what's funny is a lot of us have. i'm sorry not you but a lot of other people have been saying that you know we just need a bat signal or something and i'm looking at my batmobiles right now the only one that has any type of bat signal on it is the 66 batmobile and the tires on the forever batmobile I don't even remember. I think there are also bat signals on the tires for the Batman and Robin Batmobile because they're the ones that stay level, which I Mm -hmm. remember thinking that was really cool. They went up through a lot of work with that. Um, So it's funny that that's like the kind of stuff we look for. But meanwhile, none of the other Batmobiles really have it.
1: Well, and I would even argue that the Justice League Batmobile is even less bat themed than Pattinson's.
0: I, th- I don't even know. Uh, uh, I mean, it's armor.
1: Right uh, hey, it's armor panels. There's really no wings or fins or eh,
0: there's no fins on the tumbler either.
1: No, I would agree with that. I mean, those are both tanks. So no,
0: but they don't look like a regular car.
1: <laughs> no, no, you're right. I get that part. Yeah. I get that part. But I, I think <laughs> I think you could easily uh, tr- transform this current car into a more traditional, quote unquote, Batmobile.
0: I agree. It could actually be even more comic booky than the rest of them because none of these started in the comics
1: that we're talking about. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's kind of. uh, Do you have anything else that you wanted to bring up before we kind of get into the listener questions, Joe?
0: I have one quick question for you. Now that you've seen the film six times, did you find out what the leg holster was for?
1: Yes, I'm glad you brought that up because I I was going to talk about that and almost forgot. So the there's a scene where uh, Selena and Gordon and Batman have Kenzie on the roof where the where the bat signal is and Batman has to give chase to Selena. And he goes to this beam and he pulls out a cable and attaches it to the beam and he runs down the side of the building. I'm almost a hundred percent sure he pulls that cable out of the holster. Okay. And as he's running down the building and the, and you know, the camera's following him, you're kind of looking at him as he's coming down towards the camera. It looks like that cable is feeding off of his right side. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty sure that's what it is. It's a spool of like high tension line or thick cabling or something like that. And it kind of, it makes sense because at first, you know, we thought that holster was for a grapnel gun, but he has those spring loaded in his gauntlets. Mm-hmm. So, why would he need one in his holster as well? But if that doesn't have enough reach, you know, you, I can see this holster holding a big spool of cable. So, that's, I don't know. It makes sense to me. I, next time you see it, I don't know if that'll be on HBO Max or what, but look out for that. But I'm pretty sure that's, uh, that's where it came from.
0: Okay. yeah it's one of those things where like I don't need everything explained to me. I was more just curious if there was an explanation for it in the film and and I don't like I don't think it's necessary but I think it's cool if you do notice it but also if you have to watch it six times to then notice it like is it really that big of a deal and is it is it as necessary to even have it but I, it is what it is I, I I also wouldn't be shocked if that is all the high tension wire and even that, does tie into the grapdel itself you know you don't have to explain everything it's Batman he usually has whatever he needs on him in whatever you know position he's in and there's no explanation for it ever so it's fine it, it, it it's one of those things where I might like pause it when I'm watching it to see how it actually comes to be but either way I don't need it it's just it's well, cool and to, to your see point if does explain
1: to your point I don't know if I would have ever noticed the holster if you hadn't have brought it up. Because I think the the first time me and you, me and you had both seen it, you brought up, well, what is the thing on the side of his leg? Because you saw it in at the end of the Batmobile chase when he's walking yes. towards the penguin. You That's saw the it. Sil- only
0: time I ever noticed it was the silhouette coming yeah. walking to the penguin. Yeah.
1: And I hadn't even noticed it at that point, but then when you brought it up, I'm like, what is that holster for? <laughs> so. <laughs>
0: Just because of the way everything was done so deliberately with the suit, I felt it odd that Reeves didn't find a way to incorporate that in some way. So I do think he has an explanation for it, but it just wasn't as obvious to the viewer to see where it came from.
1: Well, and I honestly think it could be also because I think they may have started with the look and then worked backwards to find a reason for it. Mm -hmm. Because I do think – There's a lot of there's a lot of imagery here that reminds me of the of the gunslinger, the Old West gunslinger, you know, with you hear the boots as he's walking and there's almost kind of a kind of a spurs like you almost hear spurs as he's walking. Not really, but you get that vibe of like the man with no name, you know, the Clint Eastwood Westerns and things like that. So maybe that was a design choice and then they're like, okay, now what do we need to use it for? So. I don't know it looks cool <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> yeah
1: all right well uh if there's nothing else let's uh let's get over to the listener comments and questions but before we get there i'm very excited to announce that we actually have a sponsor for this episode uh i'm, I'm staggered again and humbled that we actually have a sponsor we're a year in and somebody reached out with it with an opportunity to support this show so uh how about that joe isn't that crazy we have a sponsor already
0: yeah. I, I couldn't believe it when you messaged me about it. So, um, yeah, it's definitely been a crazy ride here since, uh, since we dropped the last episode and had such a bump. So, uh, thank you to everybody. And, and, uh, yeah, hopefully this is something that people could take advantage of.
1: Absolutely. Because I mean, especially with, uh, with fuel prices and things like that right now, I really think this is going to be a help. So make sure you take advantage. But before we move on to listener questions, let's hear from our sponsors today. Uh, Get Upside. Hey guys, I wanted to take a moment to tell you about the sponsors of today's show, the good folks at GetUpside. Now, what is GetUpside? Well, it's an app that gets you cash back on everyday purchases, not points or coupons, but real cash. And why not earn cash back on the things like gas and food that you're buying anyway? With GetUpside, you earn cash back on the things that you need so that you can spend on the things that you love. GetUpside is great for your wallet and for the businesses that you care about. So how does it work? Well, you simply open up the app and claim an offer for whatever you're buying, be it gas, food or groceries. You check in at the business and choose which card you're using or you upload a receipt picture later. You pay as usual with a credit or debit card and then you get paid. The cash appears in your GetUpside account and you can cash out anytime through bank transfer paypal or an e-gift card to amazon starbucks and dozens of other places there's no limit as to how much you can earn so the offers work as such up to 25 cent per gallon on cash back on gas up to 45 cash back at restaurants up to 30 cash back on groceries and up to 22 cash back at convenience stores with the bonus code batman20 that is special for the fire rises you will earn an additional $0.20 per gallon on your first fuel purchase. I use GetUpside. I've used it for quite a while now, even before they sponsored us, and I love it. I've gotten quite a bit of cash back on my everyday purchases, and it's been great. Uh, It's really one of those situations where it almost sounds too good to be true, but there's honestly no catch. You use the GetUpside app. Biggest thing is remembering to use it. Use the GetUpside app when you're buying gas or, or at the grocery store, and you get cash back into your account, and you can transfer it into your bank account. Super cool, super easy, and I hope you guys take advantage of it. Remember that promo code, Batman20, to get an additional 20 cent per gallon off your first purchase. And thank you to the good folks at GetUpSide for sponsoring The Fire Rises. All right guys, let's get into what was on your minds. So let's start off with uh, some messages we got on Twitter. Uh, our first one comes from at CMJ1923, and his this na- this guy's name is Chris. Uh, he's listened to the show for a long time, so thank you, Chris. And um, his tweet says, Is that Joe Chill in the funeral scene with Bruce? When he hears Bruce's name, he has a shocked look on his face, and the camera deliberately stays on him for a second. Now – I'm going to start by saying we have an email that is kind of similar to this. There's a kind of a second half to that email. So we're going to answer this, Chris, but then you're going to get kind of the rest of it in that email answer. So, Joe, I'll start with you. Um, do you think the guy that Bruce sees at the funeral scene is Joe Chill?
0: Um, I had never even considered this until I saw some people maybe speculating that. I think it's a fun speculation i think it's even fun to think that for yourself if it's not proven otherwise hey you can think hey maybe that's joe chill and i don't think it's proven to be correct or incorrect in the context of the film uh i took it as we're seeing someone that clearly does not think highly of the upper class in gotham Mm -hmm. and when he hears it was bruce wayne i took it as oh, like, I'm talking to Bruce Wayne. I don't like Bruce Wayne type of thing. <laughs> so I don't know. It almost like he was taken aback that this was Bruce Wayne and he was actually, like, next to him having a conversation. And that's, that's really the the extent to what I thought they were trying to put across. But, hey, I think it's kind of cool if if maybe that is Joe Chill and that's what he's thinking about at that moment. So I, I don't think it's wrong to think that I, I think it's a fun conversation to be at.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I personally, for, for me, I don't think it's Joe chill. I think his reaction is, you know, if, if you were in a public place and you realized you were standing next to one of the most, you know, known people in the world. Cause I mean, Bruce Wayne is pretty much a celebrity. So I, you know, if if you're in this public place and you hear you're standing beside, I don't know, Elon Musk, you're gonna have that reaction. Mm-hmm. You know, you're gonna be kind of taken aback. So, I, I don't think it's necessarily because he has this past with the Waynes. I think it's just because he's standing next to Bruce Wayne. But I could be wrong. I mean, there's a very real possibility that it could be Joe Chill, and you could headcanon it that way if you wanted to. So unless we get something with this guy specifically in future movies, I think you can really think whatever you want to. So, yeah, but that's my feelings on it. All right. Uh, Thank you, Chris. Uh, Moving on, uh, at RRT underscore 714, his name is Bobby, and he said, well, your initial review is still on my list. So many podcasts, I can't keep up. (laughs) And, yeah, um, that's true. Joe, I don't know how many – uh, podcasts on this movie specifically you've listened to, but I've listened to quite a few at this point. So Bobby's not wrong there. There's a long list of, of podcasts covering the Batman. Uh, how many of you listened to out of curiosity?
0: I don't know how many I've listened to, but I think I, I may have just finished up. Um, I think I have one left. I, I got through a lot last week and then I, I had a couple extra I wanted to get through that I didn't get through. Um, but I, I started my final one yesterday and because it's the weekend now, uh, I will finish it on Monday when I go back to work. Cause that's when I like to listen to my podcast is while I'm working, I, I drive around a lot and that's when I really, that's when I really dive into my podcast. And I, I didn't listen to a lot the week of Bat- the Batman because I took off to, uh, to enjoy the weekend and go see the movie a couple of times.
1: Right, exactly. Um, I will say, just to give a, a shout-out to to a few shows, and, and forgive me if I've left you out, but there's so many. Um, I know, I, I've absolutely listened to uh, The Vigilante 1939 and their coverage on it, and Holy Backcast, of course, and Straight Outta Gotham, and let's see, who else? Uh, Real Blend, obviously. So, yeah, uh dc on screen so i've listened to quite a few podcasts about this movie and i really had to do some catching up after our initial episode because i really didn't want to listen to a lot of people's thoughts before we got to talk about it ourselves does that make sense
0: yeah i i did the same thing i think you said um i don't did you say dc Squadcast? that was another one and um fans without borders, their final episode. Uh, I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss those guys, but that was one of the episodes I definitely listened to last week. And yeah, it's, it's been a fun week. Everybody wanted to talk about this film and, and I wanted to listen to everybody talk about this film. So yeah, I, I completely understand you not getting to anything yet or everything yet. It's, it's been a, uh, it's been a fun, grueling task.
1: Yes. Um, so, so Bobby, I hope you got a chance to listen and I hope you enjoyed the review, but uh, an embarrassment of riches in the podcast world with this, with this movie. All right. on to the next one. Uh, this is at the amazing Rye guy on Twitter. And, uh, his message says, I usually suck at asking questions. Just ask the DC on screen guys. But, um, okay, here's a quick one in the future. Would you want to see Bruce continue to use the bat chest emblem as a utilitarian tool? Or should it be more traditional? Take the new logo and imprint it on the suit. Well, thank you, Ryan, for that message. And uh, I'll start with this one. Um, so I really like the unique way in which the Batarang was represented in this film. I love that he pulls it off of his chest. And I love that it's like some kind of high impact magnetic system that it just clicks back into place. And that he can use it for different utility purposes. And it's not just like a random throwing star. Uh, even though I'd love the, the Batarangs that Batman throws – this was a really unique take on it and I really liked it. So I guess it all depends on where Matt Reeves and, and the the filmmakers go with the bat suit in the future and how that works. Cause you know, of course, because of toy sales and things like that, the bat suit's gonna evolve, of course. So I guess it just depends on how how it fits in with the with the new versions of the suit. But I would like to see it continue. What about you, Joe?
0: Yeah, I, I think it's a really cool feature to, to continue to incorporate into the suit. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I wouldn't mind if the logo changed, even if the material changed a little bit. It doesn't even have to be a blade itself, just something that he does you know, retract from the suit to use any type of utility tool. Um, I do have a question for you now that I'm thinking about it. Does he throw a Batarang in this film? He doesn't. He doesn't. So that... That's interesting. Is this the first Batman film that he has never thrown a batarang? Or has not thrown a batarang?
1: Maybe. He does well, throw an actual bat.
0: Oh yeah. I'm thinking bat, like <laughs> the animal bat. I'm like, what? <laughs> yes, he does, you're right. But yeah, so I wouldn't be um I I would love it to to be like almost like a staple of his suit to have something come out of the emblem. And even if the emblem evolves over time, I think it'd be really cool to see that. Uh, even if it's something like, you know, how on Titans, the, the Robin Shirk and the I R. Was,
1: I was just about to say that. That just hit yeah. me. It reminds me of that a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, I'm open to evolution, but I would love to see that kind of become a staple where he where he pulls that emblem out or, you know, something similar to that. That would be cool. All right, moving on to our next message here, and it is from the Batman Book Club. And uh, Ryan tweets us on Twitter. He says, haven't gotten to your first episode on it yet, so forgive me if this has been answered. Where did the movie take you that surprised you the most? Interpret that any way you want, performance, story, violence, music, etc." Well, thank you for the question, Ryan, and uh, I know for a fact that uh, Mr. Ryan Lauer has listened to our last episode by this point, so I hope you enjoyed it, Ryan. Uh, But so far as your question, Joe, where did the movie take you that surprised you the most?
0: Um, The first thing that comes to mind is emotion. Uh, Mm -hmm. I did not expect (laughs) for this film to go to such hopeful um, lengths uh the ending of the film really got to me uh even the emotional scene with alfred i didn't expect to become that emotional in this film Mm -hmm. it's probably the most emotional i've ever become or ever uh yeah the most emotional i've ever felt in a solo batman film the first time i saw it um over time i have a tendency to to get more emotional as the more i attached i become with these films but This one hit me on the first viewing right off the bat with with the Alfred scene in the hospital. And then the the message at the end that he has to become more than just vengeance and really be an example for the city, for the good people of the city. And it it really, it hit me hard that the, the clear message of what this one man is doing against impossible odds. It was really powerful. and. I, it's definitely the the thing that I love the most about this movie and it's definitely not what I expected from the film and on top of that the only other thing I could really think of which is the polar opposite of that topic is humor Uh, I love the humor in this film (laughs) I think I still am laughing about Thumb Drive I think it's perfect it's the the humor in this film is right up my alley I, I absolutely loved it I think I said that on the review episode but those are the two things that uh, surprised me the most with this film
1: well and the humor is never forced and yeah. it's uh, and it not to criticize marvel but a lot of times it takes me out when a very serious deep moment is undercut by a joke mm-hmm. it's like uh, well you had me you had an emotional pull for me there and then you kind of cut it off at his knees and this movie never did that which i appreciated but there is some great subtle humor in the movie. So that was nice. Uh, I'm with you on the emotion. Uh, that was I think the, the scene at the end um, when this girl that's that Batman is taking to the helicopter to be airlifted and he lays her on the litter and he goes to pull away and she grabs at him like she's desperate not to let him go. That hits me every time I watch the movie. It's like that's a that's a big emotional punch because it shows you the evolution of Batman through the movie and it shows you the effect that he's had on these people and I think one thing that's been a big criticism of Batman movies for for a little while now is he's not heroic enough, and this shows you that no he's now he's absolutely a hero, and people need that kind of heroism and it's and it's I don't know. It's just, it's a really, really nice moment. Um, but the, the biggest thing I think that has surprised me about this movie, and this has kind of changed over time after, after Ryan sent this question, I've been thinking about it a lot. And the one thing that really surprised me about this movie and it was before the movie ever, ever came out because I got the soundtrack several days before the movie came out is the music. Um, and I know Lee Anchorit. You think I'm crazy. Joe probably thinks I'm crazy too. But for me, this is this is my new favorite um, Batman score. I love this music. It's it's wonderful. I've listened to it on repeat. I've listened to it over and over again. I love Batman's main theme, and and it almost c- gets to the point where you could you could listen to this score and you could be like, well, he uses that same beat over and over and over again, and you could think that it gets too repetitive, but it doesn't. It's so unique the way he uses that the those notes but in different ways to represent different parts of the story. So yeah, I'm I was really blown away by the music and super surprised by it and it's uh, it's my favorite Batman music now. So Joe, tell me how crazy I am.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I definitely don't think it's my favorite, but I can at least appreciate the fact that you're right with just using those two notes in different ways. It's almost very bluesy or very jazz like where it's it's just taking those two notes and playing them differently over and over again to you know uh what's the word um, uh i was going to say emote emotion that's not how you say that but to <laughs> to bring out the emotion of the scene and uh it's listen i i love the score i think what i love about all the batman scores and listen i i know i i'm mr positive i don't bash anything all the batman scores are so different i mean you this is nothing like uh the the score from pvs whether it be beautiful lie or um the batman suite or any batman music we get in zack snyder's justice league or it's not like the zimmer score in the dark knight trilogy it's not it's nothing like um uh is it rosenthal in uh forever what's uh uh elliot goldenthal elliot golden yeah um it's nothing like that, which I, I even like that score and it's not Elfman's uh, to me, Elfman's score is still, despite his, um, in my opinion, tone deaf comments, when it comes to Batman only has one theme, I can't argue the, um, I can't argue the fact that his Elfman's theme is the most iconic for me. So I, I, I. I think all of the Batman themes, though, bring well, their own flavor.
1: And yeah, don't mistake what I'm saying. I'm not saying this theme is more iconic than
0: no, no, Danny I know Elfman's. That. Yeah,
1: I, it's just this one hit me differently. Mm-hmm. And until now, I've been waiting for a theme to to just hit me the way the Elfman score does, and this one does. So that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, but now you brought up the two notes. It's kind of like now Batman has his own jaws theme. You know, it's just simplistic, (laughs) just a few notes and, and you know exactly what it is, or it's kind of like the, um, you know, the, the, the bond theme when you hear that, you know exactly what it is. So (laughs) it's just, I don't know. I really love it. But anyway, yeah. So that's, that's some things that surprised us there, Ryan. Thank you for the message. Uh, Moving on to, at Stormin Norman 89, Mr. Stephen Orm on Twitter, he says, "Does this movie have the most and reference the most source material from the comics compared to what came before? For example, Long Halloween, Earth One, Hush, Ego, Zero Year, etc. So, uh, I don't know. What do you think, Joe? Does this movie have the most reference, or and reference the most source material from the comics?"
0: I think an argument can definitely be made. I I would never argue against it. That's for sure. I think this film has taken the most directly from the most storylines. I think other directors and other filmmakers and films themselves have taken from whether it be just as many more or less uh, around the same ballpark of like pieces of different stories. I mean, the dark Knight is takes a lot from the long Halloween, but it's more Mm -hmm. inspired by than taking literal things from it. It, It's just very different. Every, every story has been very different as far as what they've taken from different comics or graphic novels. But in this one, yeah, they like just, you know, but whether it be Catwoman when in Rome with, with her being Falcone's daughter, um, I mean, you could even argue the structure of this film is very similar to The Long Halloween. It's, yeah, it, it definitely takes from a lot of different stories. And I think what's interesting is if you ask 10 different people, what does this story take from the most or what comic does this movie take from the most, you get a lot of different answers, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. you know whether it be long halloween or earth one or ego uh, you can even argue year one in some instances uh, there it takes from a lot of different stories so i can't argue against that but i i do think it would be a fun conversation to be had to to kind of compare it to like say a dark knight rises which takes from nightfall no man's land the cult
1: oh god uh, a laundry list
0: yeah dark knight <laughs> returns um you you got BVS, which everyone knows takes a lot from Batman Returns, but also takes
1: you the know, Dark Knight Returns.
0: I'm sorry, what, what did I say? Batman <laughs> you Returns. You said Batman Returns. <laughs> no, it does not take from that, but <laughs> it it does also have you know you know you got the. I mean, you could argue it's very Jim Lee as far as the style of the suit and uh, every every Batman film has taken from numerous comic books, but yeah, this one. It's done in a very deliberate way. I think it's the most deliberate. I, I keep going back to Dark Knight Rises because I feel like Dark Knight Rises did it very deliberately as well. But and it's funny because Dark Knight Rises is probably one of the more polarizing uh, Batman films that, and it does take from from more uh, comics deliberately than some of the other ones. But yeah, I I would definitely not argue with anyone that thinks this one does the most. And I think. It does it really well, too, because it, it never feels like you're watching one comic come to life, but it just feels like you're watching the best elements of every Batman comic that you love come to life. And I think that's the happy medium that you have to find.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, for me personally, I think this movie builds its world around the Batman mythos with its references better than any other Batman movie has. Um, I don't know that it pulls more references than any other, um, because I, I think one of the mistakes of the dark Knight rises is that it tries to pull from so many comics and jam it into one film that I think it's, it almost becomes a tiny bit of a mess. And I, I love that movie. Um, but it, it definitely didn't do as good a job as this movie. Did at using its its source material and, and using that world building and its mythos there. Uh, so while I, I, I don't know that you can say definitively that this has the most reference, but it has a lot and it does a great job of building that world on the on the legend of the Batman that we've seen in, in different iconic comics. Um, if I had to choose one, I'd say it definitely pulls from the long Halloween the most, in my opinion. Um, especially so far as the story structure itself. And it adds some of those beats and focuses from the long Halloween um, set of stories. And that may that be Catwoman Win in Rome or long Halloween itself or anything like that. So, which gives me hope for the future. Maybe we'll get a little dark victory action (laughs) going forward. That's,
0: that's my hope. That is definitely my hope with, if you, if you take so much from the long Halloween, you would hope the natural progression there is dark victory.
1: Hopefully so. But okay. yeah, uh, so I, I don't know. Again, I don't know if I can definitively say it pulls the most reference, but it, it pulls a lot and it does it well. I agree with Joe on that. All right. Well, thank you, Steven. Uh, let's move over to some of our emails now and pull it up here. Start with our first one is from Mr. And I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. It's Mr. Roan Jones. And it says, uh, hey, guys, do you think that guy in the funeral that asked Bruce, hey, do I know you, is Joe Chill? Because the moment Bella Real said Bruce Wayne, you could tell he was kind of taken aback as if he realized there and then that's the kid he saw after murdering his parents. Also, do you think that was the same guy who said, I'm vengeance in the final act? What are your thoughts? Okay, so this is kind of piggybacks on the question that Chris asked us on Twitter. So again, this is this is asking if we think that gentleman at the funeral scene is Joe Chill, and do we think he's the same guy at the end, the, the final Riddler thug that, um, that gets unmasked. So uh, I'll go to you, Joe. Uh, we've kind of already answered the first part on if we think it's Joe Chill, but do you think it's the same guy at the end of the movie that gets unmasked?
0: So I have seen everything from yes, it's clearly the same guy to no, it's been confirmed. It's not the same guy. And I've never looked it up to see what's correct or not. I personally, when I saw the film, it never even occurred to me that it was the same guy. But then when people said it was, I'm like, Oh, well that makes sense. Like that's Mm -hmm. why it was supposed to be a aha moment when they unmask him. But, then i've seen people say no that that's actually not true it's it's two different people so i don't know what to believe um to me it wasn't the same guy i definitely don't think it's if it is the same guy then i definitely don't think it's joe chill i i don't think it's joe chill anyway but i think if it's if it's the same guy that says i'm vengeance then i definitely do not think it's joe chill because i don't think i don't think you you do that i'm vengeance scene with the guy from earlier if you believe that that's joe chill that's my opinion um i don't know if matt reeves has actually come out to say if that's the same guy or not i like i said i haven't confirmed it one way or another what did you think it was the same guy
1: i've always thought it was the same guy okay um now I can't confirm that because I've never paid attention to see if uh, if he's credited in the credits or anything like that. I'm sure he is, um, mm-hmm. but I don't know if there's a differentiation between like funeral, you know, funeral attender and then you know, Riddler thug at the end or anything like that. I don't know if there's like two credits or something like that. That is mm-hmm. something I'll definitely have to pay attention to when it comes to home media, yeah. um, but yeah, I. I think it's the same guy, and I think it's another piece of evidence to show you um, what Gotham's going through and what Batman has inadvertently inspired. Yeah, uh, and 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 it shows you, you know, because there is that moment when you see the guy looking at Batman when he says, "I'm vengeance," and you can see the look on Batman's face, like, "Oh crap, this is what I've inspired."
0: Yes, I think that works, though, even if it's not the same guy.
1: I I agree, but I think because there was that setup that oh I saw this guy earlier and he was mm-hmm. talking about uh, you know what Gotham has become and and uh, how he couldn't help his daughter and things like that and then he sees yeah. him at the end I think I think that's why that was set up. But
0: now do you you have seen the film six times? Does it look like the same guy? Because it I, he if looks it's similar clear, enough. Yeah, I, think, I feel well, like if it's not clear, it's tough because of the saran wrap on their heads and all that. But
1: well, also, he's been beat to shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> so, um,
1: I mean, he his face is all bruised and his teeth are broken yeah. and stuff like that. So I think that's what makes it a little difficult to discern. But mm. yeah, I, I do think it's the same guy. Okay, all right. But thank you, thank you, uh, Ron or Rowan. I'm not sure, I hope I'm getting your name right. Please let us know. But thank you for the message, and thank you for listening. Okay, our next one is from Ron Mesbarger, and he says, Hello, TFR. I have asked this question of Holy Batcast as well, and I'm curious to hear others' thoughts. Clearly, the Batman has done amazing numbers and into a mostly positive public response. Now, we learn that the GCPD HBO Max show was canceled, and Black Adam, The Flash, and Aquaman have all been pushed back. Likely meaning Batgirl will get pushed back as well. <laughs> My conspiracy theory is that WB is going to force Pattinson's Batman into the DCEU. Moving the Flash back that far would allow for reshoots to force Pattinson in. Any thoughts on this wild and crazy conspiracy theory? Okay. Well, thank you, Ron. Um, Thank you for your message. Thank you for listening. <sighs> this is... um yeah this is the i this is a rabbit hole that wb has has brought (laughs) on itself in my opinion um and let me be clear about this to start with i don't think that um i don't think that the pushbacks were done for any kind of nefarious reasons i think the reason they were pushed back is because the creatives really really needed time to perfect these movies and and to and to finish them um, I know that's absolutely the case for Aquaman because James Wan has come out and said I could not get this movie out by December. So in my personal opinion, no, I don't think they're trying to uh, force Pattinson's Batman into the DCEU. I don't think it would work, and I don't think he f- really fits into the world with Momoa's Aquaman and and – All that going on in the DCEU. So personally, in my opinion, no. Uh, So far as the GCPD HBO Max show, I'm a a little bummed that that's not going forward as is, but it's not canceled. It's actually becoming an Arkham Asylum show. So while we don't have it greenlit like we do the penguin movie or penguin series with Colin Farrell, it is still going forward. It's just not going forward as it was. So that's still hopeful we're still getting more in this Matt Reeves world. But anyway, let me throw it over to you, Joe. What do you think about um Ron's theory here?
0: Yeah, um I don't think I, I don't I definitely don't think it has any relation to do with like There's no correlation between the HBO Max stuff and and this. uh, I think it's two separate things. I I also don't think, even if I thought it's possible that they would be bringing Pattinson in for maybe like a split second cameo or something, I don't think they'd be shoehorning him into the DCEU proper because I don't think there's any advantage to that, to be honest with you. I, I think WB now has this. Uh, they're very confident with this Batman world that they've created here. The Batman is successful. People are loving it. You're not gaining much by bringing him into a world that he's not supposed to be a part of. I think they they're it's more beneficial to them to establish the Batman world and establish the, the DCEU proper as its own thing. Because you have so many different things going on with the DCEU right now that... You know, it's just different. I, I don't think you need to bring patents into that. And I don't think it it makes much sense to do that. Now, yeah, as far as the delays and stuff go, unfortunately, WB brings on these kind of uh, things themselves. I, I agree with Eric. I, I think it was done to give these creatives more freedom and, I mean, more time to do what they wanted to do. But, yeah, the timing is a little frustrating because we just got that Heroes trailer, which uh, you said it was still attached when you saw it. The other day, correct?
1: Yeah, I'm hearing some people say it's not attached to their most recent viewings, but I definitely got—I've gotten it on all six. So, (laughs) uh, yeah, Yeah. it's—and that's a unfortunately, that's a bad look. So, yeah, it kind of is what it is. I I wish they would kind of re-edit that sequence and maybe pop in Super Pets and Shazam footage. Yeah. and and send that out to theaters so maybe we could you know cuz the general audience still thinks these movies are coming this year so that's unfortunate
0: yeah it, um, it bummed me out because a friend of mine went and saw the Batman last week and you know he's a casual he just he knows I'm into this stuff and he calls me up and he's like oh man he's like the movie was great but he's like they got a lot of movies coming out this year too and, and i'm like, like well? yeah not quite <laughs> Yeah, So that's frustrating because on one side, he's like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. I just saw the trailer. Or on the other side, you got the people that don't have a friend like me or or any of us nerds that really follow this stuff. They're coming out of that. and They're just going to assume all those movies come out. So it is definitely one of those things where I don't buy into the conspiracy theories, but I do kind of blame WB for people having these conspiracy theories so it is what it is unfortunately and luckily we do have enough stuff to tie us over am i bummed yes i'm bummed because i want these films all of them tomorrow but i get why it was pushed back i think it's more just confusing because of the timing of it and i mean
1: well and and one of the comments i heard uh was when the pushes were announced oh they just can't Run as they just can't run as smoothly as Marvel, can they? Which is, it's not a f- it's not a fair statement, but unfortunately, that is the perception.
0: Yeah. And it's I tough. hate that.
1: <laughs> I hate it, man. But that's, it's
0: tough yeah. being a DC fan. It really is, because honestly, the perception is actually the perception is becoming the reality. Because Marvel could literally push back all their movies tomorrow, and nobody would even bat an eye because no. it's Marvel. And but they don't put out trailers and then push it back the next day. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, I personally believe Marvel uh, has delays. But yeah, and I'm not trying to prop them up or
1: anything. But the thing is, Kevin Feige wouldn't let that happen.
0: Exactly. Like Marvel has delays. Sure. But the public doesn't know about it because they didn't see a trailer attached with the prior film. Right. Everyone criticized. uh, This is a total rabbit hole and I don't even want to go down it. But everyone criticized no way Home's marketing. And I know that's kind of a Sony film, but Marvel has a lot to do with that film too. They wouldn't start marketing that film until they knew exactly when it was coming out. Cause they didn't want to deal with a lot of the, the delays and stuff. So again, it's,
1: and from a retroactive perspective, look how well that marketing worked.
0: <laughs> yeah. You can't criticize marketing <laughs> for a film that makes almost $2 billion. So. Yeah.
1: so anyway, we'll, we'll move off the soapbox and we'll, we'll move yeah. on to, uh, but, uh, yeah, thank you, Ron. Thank you for the message. Um, but moving on, our final email here is from Mr. Lee Ankrut. And Lee, uh, we saved you for last because uh, you wrote us a college thesis.
0: Uh, I needed the whole episode to to finish. I, while Eric is talking, I'm I'm reading uh, Lee's email as we as uh, you know. <laughs> I, I I wasn't able to finish it before we started recording.
1: We we are of course kidding. We love you, Lee.
0: <laughs> we love you, Lee. But it, I, we had to bust your chops about the email. You knew it was long, and it was it, it's not even remotely as long as we're making it out to be. But it's fun busting on Lee. So <laughs> yeah, thank you, Lee. All right.
1: All right, so let's get into it. Lee says, "Hey guys, hope you're doing well and still flying high on the Batman buzz. I absolutely am, Lee. Uh, I know you've seen a few of my comments on Twitter, so you're not going to be surprised when I say I really liked the movie." But I didn't love it like you both did. I've letterboxed it at an 8 out of 10. And it's currently sitting behind Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, Batman 89, and BVS in my Batman rankings. Firstly, I am one of those who does strongly believe this borrows way too heavily from The Dark Knight. I won't go into any more detail... Than that, as I know you disagree, which is great for you. I can't help but wonder if you are currently wearing some rose-tinted bat shades and may change your mind in 12 months or so. Anyway, the Dark Knight aside, my biggest gripes with the movie are... A. The steady, mid-level tempo. It never seemed to change gears either way. This meant it started great, but by an hour in, I was a little frustrated and, and uneasy. Kind of like the audio illusion used in Dunkirk. I'm not sure if that was intentional or not, but it didn't quite work for me. Ultimately, I was kind of quote-unquote bored slash tired with about 30 minutes to go. And thus, B, the movie was just a little too long for me, probably because of my previous point. By the time we entered the finale with the Riddler copycats, my mind had drifted away into thinking how this was yet another The Dark Knight riff and started playing that film in my head. C. I loved the Riddler as a character for the most part. Personally, I didn't even mind the costume aesthetic. So long as it don't have nipples, it's okay with me. However, what did frustrate me was that this extremely intelligent psychopath with an obvious obsession with Bruce Wayne couldn't connect the dots and work out Bruce is the Batman. I would have preferred the scene to have been a big reveal rather than a U-turn. Riddler should always be the second smartest in the room and I like when he has to keep Bruce's identity secret for his own self-gratification and the self-torture that brings. They're my main gripes, but if I'm honest, I believe I excuse me. I do believe there was more to like than not like. I loved Pattinson as Batman so much. I was genuinely surprised. I really loved Farrell as the Penguin. This was less of a surprise as he's always great. Same as everybody else, give me the Penguin HBO show now. I liked the car way more than some people. It was cool, tough, lean, and menacing. Kind of a reflection on Pattinson's bat. I thought the cinematography was fantastic. Zero complaints about the look of the film. There's a lot more to enjoy, but I'm sure I've taken up enough of your time. Anyway, I'm not looking for a fight, just enjoying being part of the conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed listening to your review and your love for the film. All the best, Lee. Well, Lee, thank you so much. Um you I love the points that you made here and we're going to get into a few of them, but I got to say an 8 out of 10? That's n- that's a pretty dang good score. And a lot of your points here seem like just kind of nitpicks. I mean, other than the 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 big one we're going to get into, but I I'm you're not too far off of us. I mean, I gave it a 10. Joe gave it a nine and you're at an eight. So we're, we're in the same stadium, if not on the same, you know, if not in the same, you know, 10 yard line or whatever, but we're pretty close. But, uh, Joe, let's get into uh, some of the points that Lee made here. Um, first of all, let's start with the uh, comparisons to the dark night. Um, I'm going to start with this one because I have a little bit of a revelation for you. Uh, after reading your email and listening to Andy DiGenova, you know, pontificate about <laughs> the comparisons between this film and The Dark Knight and the Nolan ness of it all, I have to say that I have conceded the fact that yes, there are a lot of similarities in this film and The Dark Knight or the Nolan series overall. However, I don't see that as a detriment or a bad thing. Because now upon rewatching it, I'm like, yeah, there are nods there. There are beats that are very similar. But to me, that is just like Reeves taking bits and pieces from The Long Halloween and using that story to make his story. Uh, for me, it's just once again pulling from another great Batman story and making an, a new great Batman story. So it worked even – even seeing the critiques and seeing those points and understanding them and, uh, and agreeing with them, it's still not a detriment for me. So what about you, Joe, the Nolan comparisons?
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean I never saw even I, – I, I didn't see any of the even obvious comparisons when I first saw the film. And I think that's how it is for me is – all I can do is judge a film on how it feels, how it makes mm-hmm. me feel. That's the most important thing for me coming out of a film and i agree with you it does take from the dark knight but it doesn't bother me because it's taking from a lot of great things from batman so it's like to me it's not like he's taking from the dark knight he's taking from what the dark knight took from and i don't think that's a criticism and and to go back to lee giving it an 8 out of 10 yeah like i think the biggest takeaway about lee giving an 8 out of 10 is we're so lucky that we love so many Batman films that an eight out of ten puts you at like a eh yeah <laughs> like that's,
1: exactly that's pretty
0: cool um but yeah i I'm with you I, I the film you I tend to not get overly negative on films if I don't like because I never want to accidentally uh take away the enjoyment from someone else out of a film and right. I, I that has happened to me before where i love the film and then someone pointed out its flaws and i I started picking apart the movie myself and i I don't want to pick apart a movie if i like a movie i want to like a movie don't tell me why i shouldn't like the movie yeah but i i also but i'm also okay with fair criticism i think if it's done in the right way like andy was doing like andy wasn't trying to convince us to not like the film right and with what All these criticisms are coming. It still hasn't affected my enjoyment of it. I think that says a lot about the film is if I can agree with these criticisms, but still come out of the film saying, no, you know what? None of that bothers me. I I still love it. So that's that's where I'm at with that stuff.
1: Well, I think I told you before, um, for me, the comparison I make to it is if you pulled the long Halloween and Batman Hush off the shelf. And you read those stories back to back. Those stories almost have the exact same story structure. Yes. But for me, I love both of those books. Even knowing that fact, I love those Batman stories. And so they're see-
0: very different. Like the, to- like the, I mean, right, the art exactly. is obviously different. The tone is something that's very different in these two films. As far as the dark Knight and this, like they're just done very different. And, um, like we we joked about like you know, the DA dies, the commissioner dies. That's kind of a Batman trope at this point. Like if you're doing an early Batman story, just know the DA has to die, the commissioner has to die, <laughs> the the mayor has to die. That's kind of a thing.
1: Right. And once again, that didn't even come from just the dark knight. He killed those individuals. Nolan killed those individuals in three different movies. So yes. just say it anyway uh let's move on to some of lee's other points here i'm gonna tie a and b together because they're kind of that they kind of have the same um, beat to them and it's the the steady mid-level tempo across the whole movie and that leading into the movie being too long so joe what do you think um the tempo of the movie and the length
0: i concede the tempo thing uh like i said when i first saw the film i felt the length i was Mm -hmm. never bored I I At no point during this three-hour film am I bored, but I feel its length because I don't think – it's not your typical comic book action film where the action scenes don't – they don't get that change of pace like Lee was saying. I, I do agree to that where the action – like there are action scenes in this film – but they're not your typical action scenes where they're maybe it's just that they're not long enough or I don't know where I, I think maybe I talk out of both sides of my mouth here, but this is my critique of myself here. So this is what I'll say. Let's say this film is two and a half hours long. Matt Reeves decides, Hey, I can probably cut this down. If you tell, even let's say two hours or 45 minutes, if he puts 15 minutes of deleted scenes on the Blu-ray, I'm mad that those 15 minutes aren't on the film. <laughs> right? And I want, them, I want them in the film. Because I will watch any scenes that are filmed, put them in. I, I want to see it all. And it's, I'm getting three hours in a world of Batman. So I'm never going to complain about that. And as long as the film keeps my interest, I'm good. But I do understand why people think that, yeah, maybe the film is a little too long because you feel that length with this type of movie
1: right and, and i i've compared it to like watching um the lord of the rings extended editions obviously there's stuff you can cut out of there they did um in the theatrical editions but you know which one i choose every time the long ones <laughs> because i love being immersed in these worlds and uh yeah for me this movie it, it flows well at, at the length it's at and um I think I knew going in what I was getting so far as the tempo I was expecting kind of, especially with all the seven comparisons and the Zodiac comparisons and thing like things like that. I knew it wasn't going to be heavy action every few minutes. I knew it was going to be more of a uh, more of a slow burn detective story. And that's what we got. So I was prepared for that. So it, it worked for me. Um, I feel the length in the way that I know when I'm done, I've watched a long movie. Kind of like what I said with The Lord of the Rings. When I finish one of those movies, I know that I have watched a long movie. But that's not a detriment because I enjoyed my entire experience watching it. So uh, while I I acknowledge the complaints, and I've heard some other people say it's a little too long. My wife said it was long. She didn't say that as a bad thing. She just said, man, that's a long movie. So I get it. Um, but – Anyway, moving on to the final point here about the Riddler. Um, Joe, what do you think about what Lee said here about he wishes the Riddler would have known that it was Bruce Wayne?
0: I take it as he was so focused on hating Bruce Wayne but loving Batman because he thought him and Batman were in it together – he never even put two and two together that they could possibly be the same person. It's like sometimes the most obvious thing is right in front of you, but you're never looking at it. Kind of to the point of the the rat with wings is a bat. Well, Batman's not thinking he's the target because they keep talking about who's the um, who's the rat. Who's the rat that they're trying to find in the you know the big conspiracy so
1: <laughs> well and they have uh, they don't have the history like we do of reading Batman comics for years and hearing the <laughs> the rat with wings yeah you know, things so just saying
0: <laughs> but it's and I agree like I, I do like Riddler knowing that Bruce Wayne is Batman but I also don't know if I want that right off the bat I don't want that as a Riddler year one story I want that as a Riddler down the road where he finds it and After having this, you know, feud with Batman for so long and learning that, you know, after Batman's been on the mission for, for, you know, five, 10 years at that point, even longer, he is, he takes so much pride that he's the only one that has taken that knowledge that he can't divulge that information because he would lose that, you know, the, the title of being the only one that knows.
1: Right. Because for the Riddler knowledge is power. And if you let that go, you have a little less power. Um, I see it as kind of like you said, I would love to see him now focus his energies on discerning who Batman is and learning that it's Bruce Wayne. Because I think in this movie, the reason that the switch was made, uh, which I thought was a very clever moment in the movie when you realize that he doesn't know it's Bruce Wayne. But he thinks that Batman has been working with him the entire time because he loves Batman, but he hates Bruce Wayne so he can't reconcile that that would be the same person um that just doesn't you know compute because it's it's too into the spectrum for him so i i thought it was very clever storytelling but i'll tell you this lee i love the aspect of riddler that he knows who bruce wayne is but he cannot cannot tell people because that would be letting go of that information i really love that aspect of the riddler and i'm hoping that's where it goes in the future maybe we find out that he learns batman's secret identity um so uh, i don't know we've kind (laughs) of we've kind of once again turned critiques into positives but that's that's It's where I'm at with it. I would like to see that Riddler, but I liked how effective it was in this story because that was a big moment. And that scene was done so well with Batman, like looking at the cameras because he was like, oh, crap, he knows who I am. And then it switched. And when I was in the theater, when it switched and he's like, we almost got him, I was like, oh, wow, he doesn't know. So, yeah, I thought that was a good misdirect and I thought it was great storytelling. But yeah, um, so that's uh that's kind of where we're at with, with that, Lee. Thank you so much for your email. We appreciate your continuous support. You've you've engaged with us for quite a while now, uh, with the show. So we we appreciate you continuing to listen and thank you for the message. And we're 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 really kidding on the length of your email. We enjoyed it. So <laughs> thank you for that. Um, but Joe, this this kind of this kind of brings us to the end of our uh, coverage of the Batman. I'm sure we will talk about it at some point again in the future, but so far as right here, right next to the movie, it's still in theaters. It was fun to talk about it once again. And uh, I want to thank you for, for coming along with me and uh, interacting with the listeners.
0: Oh, absolutely. And and thank you to all the listeners. You know, I, I probably forgot to thank all of you individually uh, for, you know, sending in the questions, but, Uh, Thank you guys so much. I I actually gave Eric a hard time when he opened it up to questions and I'm like, Eric, that's, that's a lot of pressure. Like what we're going to look like fools if nobody responds. And then, (laughs) but luckily you guys did respond. And and that's my favorite part is interacting with you guys. So I'm really glad that everybody did that. and, And we got to discuss some more things with this film because it's been a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and I'd also like to, to give uh, shout outs to uh, Jamie Drulie and Garrett Greve and Ryan Lauer and Andy DeGenova and Brendan Lowe and just tons of people out there that have reached out, and uh, gave us gave us just warm warm thoughts and and uh, supporting the show and supporting us. So we really appreciate all that. So thank you guys so much. We appreciate it. Yeah. Um, thank you very much. Yeah. Joe. Until next time, until we meet again, uh, tell everybody where they can find you on social media.
0: You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as j 4 11 and on Facebook as Joe Forno.
1: Very nice. And uh, so far as myself, my personal accounts can be found on Instagram and Twitter. That's at me, Carter. It's M-E Carter 89. Uh, the show can be found on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at T-F-R Batpod. If you want to send us an email like these fine folks did today, we will read them on the show. You can reach us there at tfrbatpod at gmail.com. If you'd like to visit our blog, that would be at tfrbatpod.blogspot.com That's where I post little musings that really don't fit the uh, the podcast medium about Batman. Um, but Also, if you would go give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, we'd sure appreciate it. It helps out the show. It helps us gain exposure and helps other people find us. Don't forget to go download the GetUpside app and use the promo code BATMAN20 to save an additional 20 cents per gallon on your first purchase. But until next time, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening and make sure you keep that bat signal lit and pointed skyward. was created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane. The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast, is in no way associated with AT&T, Warner Brothers, or DC Comics. The thoughts and opinions expressed by the participants are solely theirs and do not represent the companies that they work for.
0: Thank you for listening. The um shoot, what
1: was that what did I bring up yesterday,
0: Jeff? The um Oh god.
1: I'm gonna edit this out by the way.
0: Yeah, I figured <laughs> that once you stumbled. Um What did you start with? It was quick news Oh the the Riddler comic.
1: That's right. Okay.
0: The Riddler Year right. One comic.
1: Yeah, let me get into that.
0: I think it's funny that you thought that's what it was, and then you like you knew you had something, and totally could not remember what it was.
1: <laughs> okay, so I'm going right. to re- edit
0: here, <laughs>
1: edit right here at four minutes twenty five seconds. Okay.